Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, if you could open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. I know I cut you guys a little bit short there, but that's okay because you're going to be talking to each other here shortly. We took a break last week. Well, actually, I got I to gotta address the, the big elephant in the room. There's a couple of them. One, um, I know it seems like we're redoing Napoleon Dynamite right here with the screens being pulled and the lighting all weird, but um, right behind here, since this is a middle school, this is, uh, they're having their Halloween dance, or Halloween something, probably a dance, and so the angel of death is right behind here, and I'm not making that up, and all kinds of other stuff, so we had to cover it up, and the lighting's off, so that's why it's the way it is. Um, so that's the, the big elephant, and we'll address the other one here shortly. Um, sorry, Brewers fans. Sorry, but so not sorry. So... Um, what we're going to do here, uh, I want to give you a recap of where we've been, because everything we're going through on this series of Reset is building upon each other. And we took a break from it last week because we thought it was so important since we had Carlos and Rosie here. We wanted to share um, what God has done in their life um, and also give you the opportunity to participate with us this next Saturday. Um, so it's super easy to participate, to go to Mexico just for the day. Um, if you are normal, a uh, few of you are not normal. You're like, yeah, well, let's go. But a few of you are normal like me, and you're like, oh, is that really all day? What about the border way? Da, 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 da. What if I get sick? It's Mexico. I think about all those things. I think about all those things now. But every time I've gone, and I take my family. I mean, I've taken my kids since they were like four or five. But every time I go, and this is what makes me go, I know I've never looked back and said, oh, man, I really shouldn't have done that. That was a waste of time. It's always been something rich, and it's, it's made everything that I do here in the normal routine of life look different. So we didn't just have him, them share because we want you to go on these trips, but we want you to experience what they've experienced in their lives. But we took a break from our series, and I just want to remind you a little bit of where we've been and where we're headed we, the, the core of it is, what would life look like if you started your faith brand new as an adult? I mean, most people make that decision before the age of 18. But what if you already made that decision, but you decided to step back and reset? Or what if you've never made that decision before, and you decided to consider the idea of resetting your life, what you put your trust and your faith in? Or maybe you've had your doubts, and we're saying, that's fine. Doubts are like antibodies. You need them. And so in the same way, what if you reset and looked with new eyes? And so the biggest question to answer is, who is Jesus? That's the number one reset. Because that's where everything resides in terms of this faith being a Christian. And then we talked about the problem of sin, and we've been going through the Bible. We talked uh, two weeks ago about the role of rules. Rules? What are the point of rules? And so in that process, we've been going through Scripture and I just wanted you to know where we came from so you know where we're headed. 
And uh, I told Steph, my wife, what we were going to do this morning. I said, we haven't done this in a while. I wanted to do it, so I might be forcing it, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. And I said, everybody loves it when I break us into little groups right before we start. And she goes, oh, no, they don't. And I said, yeah, okay, they don't like it when I first asked because I wouldn't like it. But at the end, I can't get any of you guys to shut up. You're, oh, are we getting started? Why don't you wait a little bit longer? We're not done. And so we're going to do that. And the groups of two to three or four, try not to go bigger than six or seven. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, I just kind of came. I'm kind of on my space. I don't really want Yeah, we know. But that's also why we do it. Because there's good that comes from it, not only with us as a church, but also in terms of this message. Because it's easy just to sit back there and go, okay, what are we talking about? Where are we headed? Oh, you're going to know where we're headed because you're dealing with it right now. So here's the question. Pretty easy. So here's the question for you in your groups of three, four, five, or six. Not just you and your married and your child and you're in your little group. Um, and we don't want anybody left alone. So that means don't just look at your little people and pull them around. Look around. If you see somebody off to the side like this, you're like, hey, come on over. And if they blow you off, just let them blow you off. Something else going on. The question is, what is it in your past that you never want to forget because it's good? Something that you, when you think about it, it just makes you smile. Something when you think about it, it just brings you joy. It could be serious. It could be funny. It could be recent. It could be last night, Kershaw's last pitch. The Dodgers are going to the World Series. It may be that. So whatever it may be. I'll give you a couple minutes. I'll give you a minute time when we're running out. Not everybody has to share. You can just kind of look. You can say pass. But right now, turn your chairs. Don't worry. They're not locked in. They're not locked together. They're not zip tied together. Groups of three, four, five, or six. Gather together. Ask, answer that question. And then I'll pull you guys back together. All right. John chapter 1, verse 29 is where we're going to be headed today. So you kind of have an inclination of where we're going, where we're headed. But you really don't. So I want to pray for us, and then I'll uh, trust the Lord's going to do what he's got to do. Father, uh, we want to surrender this morning to you. We want to surrender uh, our ears, our hearts, our minds, uh, everything that may be a distraction to hearing from you. And uh, just being drawn in to what you want to accomplish. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one of the questions that I could have given you, which would have uh, caused you to avoid all groups for the rest of your life, is to ask you to answer the question, what is one thing in your past or in your life you want to forget, you want to erase, that you never want to think about again? Why would you ask a question that somebody never wants to talk about and tell them to talk about it? So that's why we started with a different question, the opposite, the, the antithesis of what that question could have been, which is what do you always want to remember? When we're going through this series of reset, we're bringing up the cores of our faith, of our life, and there are those things in our past, maybe in your present, that you just want to forget. Some of them are, are serious and some of them not so serious. Some of them um, you've asked for forgiveness for and some you haven't. Uh, one that's not so serious, but it just it always just sticks in my head and I wish I could go back. You know, one of those little time travel things where you could go back and make it disappear is when I put my hand 
on that pregnant lady's belly, but it wasn't, she wasn't really pregnant. Yeah. You know those moments? I'm sure this has come up like a million times in messages, but that's because it haunts me. But then there's those serious ones. You know what I'm talking about? The serious past, the serious experiences, those memories that you want to forget. Maybe they're words. Maybe they're actions. Maybe uh, it's... And these are things that we have done. Not things that were done to us, but things that we have done. Maybe you've abused someone with words or actions or gossip or you just... And you know. You know that you know. Um, And and what spurred on this feeling for me, because it's one of those things that you can feel, because we've all experienced it, right? It's part of the human condition. Um, And when it happens, we want to do something to kind of make up for it, to atone for it, to to fix it, to clean it up, to cleanse ourselves. And so my friend talked to me about his his son, and his son was in a class, and school is really fancy nowadays, and they all had computers, and they take a test. So they do their schoolwork, they listen to the teacher, and they're on their computers, I don't know if they were Chromebooks or whatever, but somehow they were tied into one large system. And so they're doing the work, and then she, the teacher, she says, okay, now it's time for, I actually don't know if it was a she, could have been a he, but the teacher said, it's time to take the test. And they didn't know the test was coming, and my friend's son loves this class. Like, he's very passionate about this class, really looks up to this teacher, and wants to earn this teacher's approval, and really wants to do well on this test. And as he's going through the test, he realizes, I don't know the answer to this. But on one of the other uh, panes, you know, like the open panes or open tabs on the computer is, are his notes and the, the answers. You know, they've all got their computers, the teacher's doing whatever the teacher's doing. And so he goes back and clicks on that. What he didn't know is that when you do that during a test, it does this sound through the entire class. Yeah. Bong, 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 bong. And he's, and everyone's looking around, and it doesn't come from his computer. It's not like everybody points at him. But it keeps going, and he's doing the test. And like, what just happened? What just happened? So at the end of the test, everyone's talking, and the teacher comes up right to him, right behind him, and goes, we need to talk after class. So he goes through all of that, and um, the teacher, it was a she, because the, the father told me it was a she. So she works with him on all of it. But he comes home. And, you know, he waits, and he waits, and he waits. So now it's time, and everyone's kind of going to bed, and he goes, Dad, I got to talk about something. <laughs> and so they have that conversation, and he says what happened, and Dad's like, what? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Because I, I just, I, I, and he didn't have a good answer, but he knew that it was just weighing on him. He wanted to forget it. He wanted to pay for it. And so they have this system in their family. They've always done since kids, and so the dad's explaining this to me. And he says, you know, my, my son's a very physical person, so we're like, all right, just go do 100 push-ups and go do some laps. And I'm like, well, that's a really cool approach. Like, you know, you're kind of getting it out. You, you, you realize there's consequences. But as he started explaining it, it also didn't sound right. I mean, it sounds right because, you know, when you mess up, you're like, well, I've got to do something to pay for this, right? Like, I've messed up. There needs to be something done. But it also didn't feel right. When he explained it to me, and so we, we processed that as, as friends and talked about it, and is, is this the way we should do it, or what is this teaching him? You mess up, so now you got to pay for it.
But then there's those things in our lives that we know we just can't seem to pay for. No matter what we do, we can't seem to make up for it. We know it's caused a, a severance, a cut in the relationship. Um, as I was wrestling with this this week and, and trying to remember that for myself, there's, there's someone in my family, extended family, and uh, this woman is, is so racked with guilt and shame. She looks back at what she has done, and she can't move forward. It's, it's a wall. Um, and everyone has different ways of dealing with that shadow, that it's like a cloud, isn't it? Like you want it to disappear, you've even asked for forgiveness, or someone's already forgiven you, but it still sticks, and you can't seem to get rid of it. It's like, I think of the book, uh, um, The Scarlet Letter, when they put the letter A on her, and then there was the guy that she had the affair with, and the guy, when they opened his shirt, it had like a red, it was like an indentation, almost supernatural. It was almost like he couldn't get rid of it. Or you think of Macbeth. How literature style am I going right now, huh? Um, but, but these are the thoughts that come to my mind because I love literature and these, these powerful themes, these books are so powerful because they're themes that are written into all of our hearts. We can relate with it. And Macbeth has done this horrible thing and he's like, out damn spot. He can't seem to get rid of this stain that he feels is all over him no matter what he does. And this lady in my life, she can't let go. She can't get over it. It, it consumes her life. And sometimes we have those things we've done, and we can easily forget them. That doesn't mean they've disappeared. But then there's those other things that we can't let go. They're equal, whether you recognize them or not. But we're all part of that human condition, and we just want to get rid of it. And she's just so buried in it that she can't even breathe. And it's affected her physical well-being because it's almost poisoned everything because she can't let go of it. Because she doesn't feel forgiven. She knows that she has a debt. And she doesn't have the money in her account to pay for it. And obviously, I'm not talking about money here. Because that's what it is. That's why Jesus, in the disciples' prayer, said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But you know how when we do the Lord's Prayer here, everybody's like, wait, should I say trespasses or should I say debt? You never really know. So you kind of go really... Father, forgive us, our, and the person that's on the mic, you want to hear if they say trespasses or debts, and then you catch up, forgive us our debts, and we throw in debts, because either one could work, but that, that word debt is so appropriate, because that's what it feels like. It's the stress of having bills that you can't pay. In fact, I just had to do that this week. I called American Express. I'm like, hey, never done this before, but, and then I just got the computer system, and I was like, fine then. I'm not paying it this month. Boom talking to a computer, but it's that kind of feeling, right? Like you want to pay it, but you don't have it, but, you, but we're talking about life here. We all have agreements, though, to some degree of how we're going to work on this with each other, and it's really appropriate in marriages. I don't know why this always works, but it always seems to be that the agreement is that the, the wife has explained to the husband, usually not with words, but it's kind of been communicated, this is what you need to do when you have to atone for something. You have to ask for forgiveness. Use your nine words. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Those are the nine words. But then there's, there's that other thing. 
And I don't know why this works with almost every marriage. It's either the husband needs to go buy some flowers and go bring them. So almost always when you go to a flower shop and you see a guy there and it's not a holiday, you know that dude messed up. And he wants to do something about it. Some ladies are like, I'm not really into flowers at all. That ain't going to work for me. Forget that. And so I need chocolates. Could be that. Um, for some, the guys don't even know what the agreement is. So I'm going to help at least one of you out. If you have a rough day this week and you want to know what you should do, Topher, get her tickets to the World Series, dude. That'll work. Nine words. And then that helps. It's like this agreement that we kind of have, right? And why? Why would a husband do that? Because they want to be connected. Because there's some kind of wedge that came in the relationship. And we want that to be repaired. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at that, that need, that hunger within us that we try to cover up with so many different things. We try to answer that problem with sometimes it's alcohol. This particular woman in my family, that's how she's, she just wants to bury it with alcohol. And it didn't work, so now she's sober. But it's still not taken care of. Some of us try to get really busy. Some of us try to uh, give away a lot of money. Well, you know, I'll just do a lot of things for other people. I'll either give them money or I'll serve them or I'll live a life or I'll, or I'll go to church all the time or I'm going to take communion all the time or I'm going to say a bunch of Hail Marys or I'm going to do these little systems Because there's got to be some agreement. I don't really know what the agreement is with God, but I know there's one, and i got to figure it out because this cloud is too much. i got to get rid of it. We all have some clouds, don't we? But God has put something in place. This is not a new problem, so it's been going on for since the beginning of time. So we're going to look at it closely. But in this, this is the beautiful thing. Well... I'll let someone else say it better than I can. His name is Roy Lesson, and this is what he said. He said, if our, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness... God sent us a Savior. How good is that? Okay, so go to John 129 if you could, because this problem is answered, and you've been singing it in songs plenty of times, but it just kind of doesn't make any sense. You, sing, you know how we sing some of these songs, and you have no idea what they mean, but you just sing them anyways? Like Hosanna? Almost all of us don't know what Hosanna means. I always have to look it up. All the time, I keep forgetting what it means. But hey, if Paul's up there, or Jer's up there, or anyone's up there going, Hosanna, we're like, yeah, Hosanna. No idea what you're talking about, but Hosanna. What about Lamb of God? Right? All those songs with Lamb of God, do you have any idea what it means? And what I mean is really what it means. Unless you grew up in Israel, if you didn't grow up Jewish, there's going to be a huge gap for you. There's a huge gap for me, and that's why I'm so excited. This is one of those Sundays where I was really excited to go through this because it's it's good. So what we have here is a guy named John, John the Baptist, and he's not John the Baptist because he wasn't Presbyterian or something else. He was John the Baptist. They called him that. It was his nickname because he baptized people. 
Um, it used to be, hey, go baptize yourself. But he was actually out at the River Jordan, and people would come to him, and he would put them underwater, or he would say, you're going underwater. So he was overseeing this, and John was a weirdo. So why would people go out there? Because in them, they knew there was this understanding, I need to be clean, I need to be cleansed. Like water, when you, when you stink, you just, I got to take a shower. When you've been camping or you've been traveling, you get off the airplane, the first thing you want to do, I need a shower because you just want to be cleansed. And so these people had that in their life. These stains all over their lives are like, hey, is this going to work? Is this going to fix it? So they're going out to John the Baptist to be baptized, to start over. And as they're coming, there's a man that comes. And John had already talked about this ahead of time. He said, look, there's someone coming after me that is greater than me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to pick up. And it's Jesus. And as Jesus is coming, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We are so out of touch with what a lamb is. I bet if we did a quiz here, most of us would fail on what is really a lamb. I keep going, is it a goat? Is it a sheep? Is it a baby sheep? Is it a baby goat? So what is this whole lamb? It just it causes confusion for us. But not for the people of Israel. Not for the people at this time. Wait, the lamb of God? The lamb? Like they know what the lamb symbolizes. They know what the lamb is used for primarily in a religious society that they've grown up in. And so we're going to take some background there. But to do that, we're going to have to take a step back to what we've talked about for the past few weeks. So kind of a refresher course. Um, we talked about Abraham, right, that God chose Abraham, a messed up man, and said, I'm going to fix this problem of sin, and it's going to start with you. And from you, there's going to be this people. And these people are not just going to um, be, I'm not just going to fix their problem, but I'm going to use these people to bless the entire world. And then we look at these people, and they're not looking like they're very blessworthy. And so these people, this, this, the people of Israel, and Israel comes from the patriarchs, right? There's Abraham, then there's Isaac, and then there's Jacob, whose name changes to Israel, so the people of Israel of this family line. And then it goes to jo Joseph, and then they're in Egypt, and then they're enslaved, right? Caught up? No? Okay, fine. We're still going to move on. And so you've got all these people in Egypt, and the Pharaoh's there, and then God uses another imperfect man, Moses, to set them free from slavery because he's got work for the people of Israel to do. And so he's setting them free. And so they have all these plagues, and the last one involves death. Death to the firstborn of every, firstborn son of every family. And so before they leave, God tells them this, and it sounds weird and crazy, but he says, you're going to take a lamb and you're going to kill it and you're going to use that blood, and you're going to put it over the doorposts, the entryway into your house. And by that blood being on that doorpost, death, and no, not the angel of death, that's not how it works, but death will pass over you, over your family, because the blood will have paid for this. Whatever that, of course, their minds are being blown right now because this is new for them, Right? And so that will pass over. So the people exodus, right, or exit out, because Pharaoh's like, look, just get out of here now. I'm tired of dealing with this. I trust that, you, that your God is real, and I can't deal with him anymore fighting for you because I can't beat him. So go. 
And so they go, Moses leads them out. Um, they're out, they're this new people, they're, what do we do? So then Moses goes up onto the mountain, comes back with the Ten Commandments, but then there's other law. And in that law, there is an agreement, and it doesn't involve push-ups, and it doesn't involve flowers or chocolates or World Series tickets to atone for, because they're all dealing with this guilt and shame, and like, I know I said I'm sorry, but why do I keep doing this? I don't understand. It's just, it needs to go, and God knows, I know that you want to get rid of this. So here, here's what you can do. And notice it's not because, hey, I need you to do this for me. Listen to the wording here. I know this is inside of you, and you need to do something. You know it's there, and you want to pay for it. So this is what we're going to do. Leviticus 17.11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And he's talking about animals. And I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And this really isn't that confusing, right? Because if we look through history, especially primitive cultures, they know that something has to be paid for, and they all have different approaches. We look at cultures from long ago, and we're like, really? You took people and you sacrificed them? What? But there's that understanding that, this is, that blood has to pay for this. And so God... He says, no, just the animals. And I know your animal lover is going, what? No, this is real. I don't get it either. But something had to be done, and they knew it, and so God says, this is our agreement. Not chocolates, but pigeons and doves and cows and ox. And I know, I know, it sounds crazy, but this is the kind of agreement that needs to be done. Is it really much more crazy than the things that we try to do? Well, if I just do this and I just do that, it's just as crazy, right? Because nothing we do is really seems to make sense. So, we have the Passover, and of course, centuries go by, and they have this tradition, the Passover, right? We talked about it before, uh, many times before. It's like Thanksgiving. We have this moment that we look back in time, and, and it's not as significant, it's not as deep, and... Let's face it, we know now from history that some of it's a little bit off, but we have this time of Thanksgiving, and we always have turkey. Why? Because we think that turkeys were exchanged. Well, at the Passover meal, it's their time to remember what God has done, that death has passed over them. They were set free, and so they look back, and they do it every year, and every year they have this time of the Passover meal, and so Jesus is on the night that he was betrayed was the Passover meal. Not an accident that it fell on that day. And here's where it gets crazy. Because Jesus is with him at this Passover meal. And he's with Jewish people. And in their history, they know about the Passover, but they also have this Day of Atonement, which is kind of the same thing. They're like mirror images. And on the Day of Atonement, just like, it's Yom Kippur, by the way. We just had it. Um, it's this Day of Atonement to pay for it. And they have to do it every year. Why do they have to do it every year? Because they mess up every year. Everybody knows it. And so they take the one lamb and they bring it to the priest. And the priest cuts its throat. I have to tell you that because it's important to see the visual of that to understand. And so they take the blood and they put it into 
this altar, and it's for the priest and for all the people. But then there's another goat. There's another animal. And this animal is brought in, and it's the scapegoat. That's where we get this term. So there's two of them, one killed, one not. And they take this goat, and they, the priest puts all of the sins, all of the things that need to be atoned for, all the debt of the people of Israel to be paid for, and he puts his hand on the goat, they pray over it, and then they send this goat out. Go, goaty, go. Why would they do that? Because everybody needs to see, hey, all my junk, it's going away, right? Like it's going to be gone, right? I got one anywhere. And so they just sit there waiting for the goat to leave until it's gone. And they do this every year. At the, well, they used to do it every year at the Day of Atonement. So now at the Passover, oh, here's another important thing I want to leave out. The lamb that is killed has to be unblemished. So in Israel at this time, they would have a special place where they would be raised and they'd be set. And it had to be unblemished. No little marks, no little cuts, no like, oh, that toe's bigger than that toe. I mean, perfect. Eyes, it has to be unblemished. And so Jesus, at the Passover meal, says this. Remember, this Passover time is a tradition that's been carried on, what God has done. And yet Jesus says this. When the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles, they're at the table, and he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It'd be like me saying, hey, Thanksgiving, it's coming up. From now on, I want you to be thankful for me. Do Thanksgiving in remembrance of Boog Rose. She's like, what? Except this is something that's to the heart of their faith. And Jesus is stepping in and saying, now at Passover, when you participate in this, remember me. Because that lamb that you're going to take is going to remind you of me. I'm the Lamb of God. It's not just John that says it, it's Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, as we've talked about before. Covenant means agreement. This is the new agreement. You don't got to kill animals anymore. Once and for all, my blood, the unblemished blood, the Son of God, I am the fulfillment of that agreement. No chocolate, no guilt, no shame, no 8,000 Hail Marys, no push-ups. It's me. I am the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. I can't believe that we're not all flying up going, Amen! Because if you know this and believe this and trust in this, everything changes. Which is why when John the Baptist says it, he goes, look. And it's a special word. It's like, I wish we had a similar word. Like, look, behold. Where it's like, hey, guys, pay attention. Because everything's different now. Look, behold, the Lamb of God. If we understand that and know that history, everything changes. But you know what it is that goes on inside of you, right? Right? 
You know all the mistakes, the sins, the, the crimes, the abuse, the words, the stuff that we do over and over again. The things we have done that haunt you like a cloud. And God is saying, look, it's forgiven. Let go. Paid once and for all. Stop wasting your try, try, time trying to take care of it. I took care of it. So I have a question for you. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you have received this forgiveness? Because what Jesus is saying here, he says that I am now the one that causes death to pass over you. I am the one. It's my blood that causes death to pass. When we understand that, there's this freedom, there's this lightness, there's this clarity that comes upon us. You can't be the lamb. So stop trying. You have been forgiven. You have been set free. And there's nothing that you can do to make it happen. There's all kinds of religions. There's all kinds of faith. There's all kinds of efforts that we as people, whether we have any kind of faith or not, that we try to do to pay for this debt. Things that we have to do. But instead, Jesus said, no, I am the one that does it. You don't have to do anything. I am doing it. Because you can't. You don't have enough chocolate to make this happen. You can't atone. Jesus did it. So why? So we could be in relationship. There would be no wedge. And usually it's on our end. There's no wedge there because of the Lamb of God that was slain. And some of us are going to say, well, this isn't fair. There's, this, isn't, this isn't okay. Really, is it that far-fetched that a father would go to such great lengths for their children? I know that if I see someone, usually a male, that has those cauliflower ears, you know what I'm talking about, where they're all like beat up, you avoid those men. You're really nice to them because that means they've done a lot of fights. I have a really good friend, Josh, who's an MMA fighter. And I, I've seen situations where people are hassling him, and they're usually the most patient, kind, gentle people because they know, they know what they can do. And if there was somebody like Josh that were ever to come and try to attack one of my children, I got no chance. But there is no chance that I'm not going to step between them because of my love and care and concern for my kids. And nobody's going to go, whoa, 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 dad. Wasn't that a little much for you to just step in? I mean, that's not fair. Your kid did something stupid to offend that person. They got to pay the consequences. You've got to be kidding me. That's my child. I will do whatever it takes. So is it really that far-fetched that God would give his own child who chose on his own Jesus? Jesus chose to come and do this, to be the Lamb of God. Why? Because of love, because of relationship. So this is the question. Have you had that moment? Because it's a time of decision. It was for Abraham, remember? Abraham had to decide, do I trust God or do I trust myself? What God's asking me to do sounds crazy, but do I trust? This is a moment of decision. And as we talk about resetting, it's a decision. 
It's like when your computer's all frizzing up, you've worked on a project, and you're like, okay, I've worked really hard on this. But the whole system is messed up now. And there's that decision, do I really want to restart this? Or like your phone, right? You're like, oh, my phone? What am I going to do without my phone? I mean, it's working. What if someone... And there's that moment where you go, you know what, there's nothing else to do. I've just got to reset it. I'm going to trust it's going to turn back on. That's a phone, it's a computer. But when we talk about resetting, we're talking about our life. Are we going to trust God and reset with him? Have you ever made that decision in your life to say, God, I do not have all this figured out. But I have enough trust, enough faith that I want to reset everything. I want to trust that you are the Lamb of God, that you take away the sins not only of the world but of me. And I'm ready to start over. I don't understand it all. I don't feel worthy. It doesn't seem fair. But I know that this cloud has to disappear. And so I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to trust that you are going to guide me and move me forward, whatever that may mean. Have you ever made that decision before? So the worship team, they're going to come up and they're going to lead us. As they are leading us, um, we're going to have a time of communion. Communion is going to look different now because now you know some of the history. You know what Jesus said when he said, take this and do this in remembrance of me. So what I want to ask is this. If you could all stand if you're willing. Uh, if you're unable, please. If you feel like I, I have no strength in my legs for whatever reason, emotionally or otherwise, then um, use this as your way to pray. But they're going to lead us in songs, which are prayers. And we're going to have communion set up. And I could guide you in communion, but you've already been guided, haven't you? And so as you take this communion, remember what it means. Remember that Jesus is the Lamb of God. After worship time, uh, we're going to have a couple elders over here and some other people that are in leadership that are willing to pray with you. If you've made that decision for the first time, or you made that decision before, but you walked away from it, they want to pray with you. They're not going to counsel you. They're not going to guide you. They're going to pray over you. But if you want guidance and direction, we can also help provide that. So let me pray for us. Father, we surrender to you. Thank you. We do this in remembrance of you. Amen. Um, about a year ago, almost a little less than a year ago, um, a group of us were like actually overlooking the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And there was this woman, she was a incredible woman. She was actually a rabbi. She's a Messianic Jew, so she believed in the Lamb of God, Jesus. And um, we kind of had did this transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and she was sharing with us kind of the relationship between um, the Jews and Jesus and all that he had done, and um, it was incredible. <laughs> And very eye-opening for me. I just had no idea or didn't really understand a lot about what that Lamb of God meant. And actually, at the end of the time, we all were just like, because oh. <laughs> so many things that she shared with us were so incredible. And I couldn't get out of my head this whole concept of like, I feel like I need a Savior every day. Like every single day, I feel like I have to be saved from my sin, from my choices and my decisions and my thoughts and as a mom and just in life. And I said that to her. <laughs> and 
And we all, I, I mean, I feel like that's how we all feel. And she looked at me like I had said something horrible. And she said, you have been saved. The price has been paid. The lamb was sacrificed. And I mean, she said it in such a way like, oh, okay. No, your savior did what he needed to do. What you need is a redeemer. And you need to know that, that when you acknowledge that you've been saved, that the price of the blood has been shed, the doorpost is covered, death will pass over you. And when you acknowledge that you need a redeemer, he puts life into you and he makes your life an incredible gift to others. And, and, and our need for a savior just kind of goes away because we realize that when we acknowledge that, he begins to redeem us and make such beauty out of our lives. And, and some of the darkest things that we've done, when we acknowledge the redeemer, he makes it so good. <laughs> so I still struggle with that conversation that I had with her because I still feel like I need a savior all the time. <laughs> but I always, every morning I try to remember, okay, Lord, how are you going to redeem me today? What are you going to do today? And it has changed everything. Um, and so I just hope that we can all know that it's happened, it's finished, it's done. That we get to allow God to do what he needs to do with us and redeem um, everything that we hold on to. We can let it go. So, um, I'm going to pray for us really quick, but um, don't forget your kids. And um, if you do feel like you need prayer today and that you really want to make acknowledge the fact that you have been saved. Um, Vogue wanted me to just remind you that he'll be praying over here with whoever needs to do that. Um, okay, I'll close up. Father God, thank you so much for this day and for, um, for God for sending your son for the Lamb of God. And Father, I pray that each of us would know that it is finished, that it's done, and that we can go on and allow you to do incredible things with our lives, that you will redeem us. What a gift. We pray that we would know that this week and that we would share that with others. We pray these things in your name.